time. And uh, if you guys have attended yet live, those of you that are here, and if you're online and haven't attended in live or showed up live, um, what we did is uh, after COVID, we thought, well, we don't know how many people are going to show up. And we had really low percentage restrictions from the governor. And we thought, well, let's just go back to two services and see what happens. And, uh, And so anyhow, we've been pretty close to that 25% number between both services, and we thought we could probably, the governor just raised the number up to 40%, and so we're going to go to one service for a season, and uh, once uh, the church kind of continues to grow back as in live attendance, and as restrictions continue to be eased over time, um, we're going to go back to two services, but for the time being, we're going to go to one service, and so that starts next Sunday. So Sunday, uh, first Sunday in September, which is next Sunday, we're going back to one service, it'll be 10 o'clock in the morning, uh, right here, be 10 o'clock live and online. And so we'll have one service um, starting then. And so I think it'll be good because we'll get to see more people, um, a little bit more fellowshipping. And, and there's, you know, you miss some people some weeks, unless you go to both services, which you could always do if you wanted to. But um, if you miss some people, you're kind of like, I haven't seen them in a while. Well, this is a great place, great way to do that. As the restrictions continue to lift, we'll continue to uh, expand the church services again back to what they once were. So uh, we right now we don't have kids ministry. You're welcome to bring your kids. They can be noisy. I don't care. And uh, you can bring your kids and be in the service with them. But we'll add kids later down the road. We'll add our coffee service later down the road. We'll have our everything else just kind of slowly grow the church back to what it, to where it was before. And so as the restrictions come up, so that's kind of exciting. Next week is single service. This week, um, starting tomorrow, we are doing a week of prayer. It's five days of prayer. Um, many of you know this. Uh, you can't really be in this world right now and not notice that there's a lot of turbulence and unrest inside of our country. And so we're going to be praying. I think the world needs more prayer, not less. And so we're going to be praying all this week. You can join us live here in the church. Um, and uh, we have emails going out that have all the details going on it. And so we'll have that going. Um, all this week. Uh, and then um, small groups, it is small group season time. And so in the Bible, in Acts, it talks about how they met in the temple and they went house to house. And so we do that. We meet once a week as a congregation. And then throughout the week, we have small groups that gather throughout the city. And so I would encourage everyone to join a small group. Uh, we have all kinds of groups to choose from. All of our registration is on our website. And there are a three kind of general uh, groups. There's actually live only, in-person only. There's a hybrid where they have in-person and like an online tune-in style. And then there's some online only small groups. So I know this. I know that there are actually quite a few people that are tuning in almost every week from other parts of the country. Guess what? You can join a small group because we have some that are online based and you can be anywhere in the world and, and still uh, be part of our church and still connected through small groups and get uh, some encouragement and, um, in your walk with the Lord. So even if you're just an online-only attendee at this point in time, then you can still get plugged in and make relationships with others and, and grow in even deeper in your faith through our small group system. Well, if, if you're new here, whether you're live or online, uh, my name is Matt, and uh, my wife Amber and I are the pastors here, and we love to make new friends. So we'd love for you to you know, just say hi, text in guests to our office number, and um, we can get, just kind of start a conversation of getting to know one another. At the same time, we're going to receive tithes and offerings. So if, if the city church is your home church, um, then this applies to you. So um, we just, I, I remember one, I'm grateful as your pastor that um, you guys have continued to support the ministry of the church. Um, and our church has financially 
held its ground solid even through this crazy pandemic season. We've even been able to move ahead in a couple of categories by upgrading our live stream and other things. So because of your generosity and support and it's, um, the church is moving, moving forward, not dragging behind. Um, I read a stat the other day that 20% of churches are expected to close in the next 12 months because of people's lack of support financially and just connected wise. Our church is really holding strong and even growing in the midst of this. And so um, I just want to say thank you as your pastor. I want to say thank you for being so generous to, to the church. Uh, let me pray for the, the tithes and offerings. Heavenly Father, we thank you for all that you've given us. And God, we, as we uh, receive the tithes and offerings, as people return that back into the house of God, God, I ask that your name would be made famous. God, that your name would be made famous. We're not building our kingdom, but we're building your kingdom. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Now, I, I know, um, you guys know me, that I only tell bad jokes on holidays. And you're all driving to church going, well, there's multiple big holidays today. Which joke is he going to, because it is National Slinky Day, I mean, obviously, and it's also National Frankenstein Day. You may not have known that one. I'll just let you know. Yeah, but so, I ha- so I'll have to hit both of them. Why are some people like a slinky? Because they're only fun when you push them downstairs. <laughs> yes, that's right. All right, all right, no more slinky jokes. Frankenstein. Frankenstein, Dr. Frankenstein, he entered a bodybuilding competition. But when he, re- when he arrived, he mis- realized he misunderstood the competition. Different kind of bodybuilding. All right, what did, Dr., what did Dr. Frankenstein say when Pinocchio's nose grew? It's a lie. It's a lie. <laughs> it's terrible. Oh, man. So how did Frankenstein know that Jesus was coming? He used his frankincense. <laughs> We're in a series. I'm just a hard left turn from that. There's no coming back. So here we go. We're in a series in the book of Daniel. We've been looking at the book of Daniel and the life of Daniel and his friends. And, and if you look at the book of Daniel, the first half is a lot of like kind of Bible story stuff. And the second half is a lot of prophecy. And so we're just kind of moving through that first half of the book um, in the month of August. And so today is the last week in the series of Daniel that we're going to do. But just as a recap, in case you weren't here um, or you missed a week or something, here's a general recap of where we're at up to this point, is that the first week was all about grace and truth. Daniel walked this life that was perfectly balanced between grace and truth. And, And if we can be honest for a minute, I think every one of us has days where we do good with that and days that we don't. Because there's days where, where the, maybe the truth side's a little heavier in our life. And, 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 and if you live too far out on the truth spectrum, the extreme version of that would look like a judgmental con- condemn, condemnation. You'd be condemning others and judging others and be like, I'm right and you're wrong. In fact, I kind of see this all the time on Facebook and social media because people are keyboard warrioring out everything, um, fighting for their position. You're not changing anybody's mind, just for the record. But they're like, "I'm right," and I have all these stats and polls and blah blah blah. And and like you're not, you know, it's like people are like justified and like, "I'm right and you're wrong." And and and, and you get to that place, and it's like that if you're tipped out too far, you don't have any grace or love for others, and you're just all about being right all the time. And if you're trying to be right all the time, it, eventually it kind of doesn't even matter if you're right because nobody listens to you or likes you or wants to be around you, and you just become this really angry person. But on the other side of that scale, if you tip it all the way out to the other side, um, you, you can be so full of grace and love and like, can't we all just get along? And, 
and then you don't stand for anything in your life, and, and all that ends up happening is you fall for everything, and, and everybody thinks you're just a nice person, but, but for what reason you're not really doing anything, you're just kind of like, can't we all just get along? And, and it's like, well, this guy over here says, no, you can't just get along. And, and so there's this balance that we've got to have as believers. And Daniel walked this balance of grace and truth and being able to navigate a complex culture. Where, hey, we all know what that looks like right now. It's a complex world out there. How do you stand for God in a complex world walking a path of grace and truth? Because when you say it that way, it's like, I don't even know if it can be done. But I believe that it can and I think Daniel modeled it really well. Jesus executed on it perfectly, walking that path of grace and truth. And if we're Christ followers, I think we're called to be people who can walk that path of grace and truth. How do you show love and be full of truth and grace? Week number two, we said we're going to make the decision that, that we're going to be thermometers, thermostats, not thermometers. Thermometers can read the room and tell you what's happening. Thermostats read the room and then change the atmosphere in that room, right? And, and so we're called to be people who are ch atmosphere changers, not people that are just reflecting what's happening around, but actually implementing those changes. And so we, we talked about this is that for those people who tend to be on the, week number three was those people who tend to be on the grace side of things, hey, we've got to stand for something, we have to stand for something. Because if we're not standing for anything, then, then what are we doing? We've got to be standing for something. For those of you who tip this way. But for those of you who tip a little bit further this way, we've got to understand that we have got to love well. You can stand for something and love well at the same time. It is absolutely possible. But sometimes we get tipped just a little bit out of balance. And so that was the challenge. And today is this, is once we start to strike this balance of living, loving well and, 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 and standing for something, I believe the challenge is to be bold, to be bold in our faith. Can we be people who are bold in our faith in a culture that is really just trying to silence us? That is just trying to, to okay, keep your head down, just, just blend in, don't, don't stand out, don't, don't do anything. You know, they're, they're like, yeah, you can just have your little faith, and, but keep it in a closet somewhere in your house. Don't ever let it out and see the light of day. But Jesus said, let your light shine. Jesus said we should be the salt of the earth, bringing flavor and, and light to the world that we're in. And so we have to have boldness. Boldness while balanced in grace and truth. I think it's time for us to be bold in our faith. Because I know this about us. As a believer, as a Christ follower, we're called to be atmosphere changing, stand for something, loving others well, and bold Christ followers who are going to make a difference in this world. Our boldness will change the world. It won't be easy but it'll be worth it. It won't be easy, but it will be worth it. Today, we're gonna to be in Daniel chapter six. And you can open your Bibles there if you have an app or just an actual old school paper Bible, um, however you got it. I got it on a screen, so if you forgot yours or, or you just wanna look at the screen, you certainly can. And, and so bear with me because we're gonna read this entire chapter um, because it actually has this entire Bible story of Daniel and the lion's den of Daniel and the lion's den. And we're going to look how Daniel, living a life balanced in grace and truth, had to act boldly on his faith. Daniel chapter 6, verse 1. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be throughout the whole kingdom. And over them, three high officials of, one, of whom Daniel was one of them, of whom these satraps would give account so that the king might suffer no loss. Then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps. Because of an excellent spirit was in him. And the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. 
And then the high officials and the satraps thought, sought to find ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom, but they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful and no error or fault was found in him. Then these men said, we shall, we shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. These guys were basically saying he has served this kingdom, her earthly kingdom, well. And he has no error. They went and looked at his Twitter history. They looked for something that could be misconstrued as potentially racist or offensive. And there's nothing there. The guy's like squeaky clean all the way through, you know. And, and they're like, man, no, there's nothing we can do. And, and then they thought, well, he's also incredibly faithful to his God and to, and to his religion and to his faith. And they thought, well, what if there was a conflict? What if we created a conflict between the laws of this kingdom and the laws of God kingdom? And could we create a situation where we force Daniel to compromise? And so the high officials and satraps became agreed to the kingdom and said to them, O King Darius, live forever. All the high officials of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps, the counselors and the governors are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whoever makes petition to any god or man for 30 days except for you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document so it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document and injunction. They go to the king and say, hey, we're just going to, what if we made a law that they can only worship you for 30 days? And he's like, I think I like this idea. This is going to be great. Yeah, you can only worship me for 30 days. And not, not even knowing that that was actually a trap set for Daniel. So when Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. Daniel three times a day prayed with an open window for people to see him praying. They made this law and this change. And what did he do? The same thing he's always done. Went back and he prayed, just like he'd done previously. Then these men came by agreement and they found Daniel making petition and plea before his God. Then they came near and said before the king concerning the injunction, O king, did you not sign an injunction that anyone who makes petition to any god or man within 30 days, except for you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? And the king said, The thing stands fast according to the law and means of Persians, which cannot be revoked. And they answered and said, Ha ha! Daniel, the one who exiled from Judah, he pays no attention to you, O king, or the injunction you have signed, but makes this petition three times a day. And the king, when he heard these words, was so distressed, and he, he set his mind to deliver Daniel, and he labored until sun went down to rescue him. And these men came by agreement to the king and said, mm, King, that's a law of the Medes and Persians, no injunction or ordinance and can, can't be changed. And the king commanded that Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. And the king declared to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve, continually deliver you. And a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den. And the king sealed it with his own signet and with, and with the signet of his lords, and nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. And the king went to his palace and he spent the night. He didn't eat, didn't drink. He, he was no entertainment. And he just couldn't sleep. Then at daybreak, the king arose and went to haste to the den of lions, and he came near to the den where Daniel was. He cried out in a tone of anguish. The king declared to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you have continued, been able to deliver you from the lions? And Daniel said to the king, 
Oh, king, live forever. Golly, how long of a gap was that? Hey, Daniel, you still in there? Oh, king, may you live forever. I'm sure it was like, he's still alive, you know? And may you live forever. And so, oh, Daniel, servant of living God, Daniel said to me, live forever. And my God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths, and they have not harmed me, because I was found blameless before him. And also before you, O king, I have done no harm. Then the king was exceedingly glad. And he commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no kind of harm was found on him because he had trusted in his God. Now, the king, the king knew that it was a trap at that point. Like he had been trying to, tra- this guy's been trying to trap Daniel. And so the king commanded, and those men who had maliciously accused Daniel were brought and cast into the den of lions. They, their children and their wives, and before they reached the bottom of the den, the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces. So those lions were hungry. They just didn't eat Daniel. They ate the whole of their families of these pieces. Yeah, gruesome death. And then King Darius, <laughs> King Darius, he wrote to all the peoples, nations, and languages that dwell on the earth. He said, peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion, people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed. His dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Listen, this story, if you grew up in church like I did, I heard Daniel in the lion's den oh, so many times and my dad would read it in super animated voices and, and then I watched the veggie tales with the little um, vegetable cartoons and the, and the Daniel in the lion's den and, and it was like, it was just kind of this, this fun story. But I, I look at this now through the light of what we've been talking about of balancing grace and truth and being bold for your faith and I look at this and I think, how are we gonna be bold in our faith? And I think this story has so much in it. I mean, I could, I could preach for hours and days and and we have a long time before the next service and and so this is what I've got this is what I got number one is this is God brings the promotion God brings the promotion Daniel wasn't out seeking promotion inside of the kingdom as he was continually faithful to God and the, the task in front of him God continued to promote him and here's what I know is that when God raises you up some people are going to try to tear you down some people are going to try to tear you down See, Daniel, it said that he was always faithful, responsible, trust, trustworthy. You see, Daniel was, was bold in the midst of, of an unusual situation. He was bold at work, like in his office place. Like this was what he did. He worked for the government and he was bold with his faith. Listen, I want to challenge you. Don't check your faith at the door of your office building. Don't check your faith at the door of your work. He was a government employee. If you don't think he had to deal with bureaucracy, he had to deal with bureaucracy and probably an HR department and and all the other different things, you know. He had to deal with it all. He was bold in character and competence. Character is who you are when no one is looking. And he was the same all the time. He had character that he was bold in. Character is who you are when no one's looking. Bold doesn't mean that you're the loudest person in the room. Bold doesn't mean that you're the leader of an organization or, or a group of people. Bold just means that you are solid in your character and you're not different at different times of the day. Be bold in your character. See, if you don't have character, your gifts and your talents, they won't sustain you. You have to have character to make it through the hard times in life. I don't know if you know this, but this wasn't Daniel's dream job. He wasn't like, 
hoping to be a government official in the Babylon Empire. Like that wasn't what he grew up wanting to do with his life. In fact, his people were conquered by the Babylonians. He was captured and put into slavery, essentially, at a low level of the organization. It wasn't his dream job. He was ripped from his home and put into this thing. And God just continually promoted him again and again and again. And he continued to find favor. And he moved up and up and up and up. And what wasn't his dream job. But he was there for a purpose. Not for his purpose, but for God's purpose. Listen, your job is a place where God has purpose in it. The places that you are invested and involved, whether it's in the office building or the classroom, or whether it's even um, in different groups, if you're at the PTA, I don't care where you're involved in, um, but wherever that you are connected, God has you connected there for a reason. Be a thermostat in the areas that you are connected. Number two, our faith makes us a target. The only thing that they could find against him was his faith. And even then, his faith itself wasn't necessarily the problem. It's when they created a rule that made the war between God's kingdom and earthly man kingdom. That's when it became a problem. That's when it became a problem. If Christianity was a crime, is there enough evidence in your life to convict you? If Christianity is a crime, if it was, would there be enough evidence in your life to convict you? Now, if I did that, I might be weird. Yeah, well, believers are kind of weird. I don't know if you know that. If you look around the room, you're like, yeah, there's some weird people in here. They're looking at you saying the same thing. Christians can be a little weird, and, and that's okay. I look at what normal is, and I don't know if I want normal, right? Like, what's normal nowadays? Three marriages? Four marriages? How many divorces is considered the average now? I don't know if I want that, right? I'd rather be married to one wife if possible, you know? And, 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 and currently only have one, just for the record. And I think we're on the right track to stay married. Um, but, you know, I only want to have one. I don't want to have multiples. You know, when you look at it, it's like mountains of personal debt seems like the normal average of what people do. People have uh, student loans of $100,000. Well, I don't really want $100,000 in debt. People have credit cards that are maxed. I don't want that in my life. I don't know if that's considered normal. I want to be weird. You know, like if, if, if it's like, hey, I want to have estranged relationships with my family. If that's what's somewhat normal these days. I don't know if that's normal. I would rather be weird and, and have a solid family relationships, have, have, have my finances in order, be in a place where I can give generously. And, and you know, wouldn't you rather be weird? This country, this culture that we're living in right now, its standard of normal is not really what I would strive for. It's okay to be a little bit weird. Believers are weird because why? We have convictions. Because when the Bible says rejoice in all things, when the rest of the world is complaining, are you rejoicing? Because if we're rejoicing in all things and giving God praise through all things, even pandemics and other craziness in this world, we're going to be looked at as weird. When everybody else is whining, we're praising. Can we speak faith into all situations that we're at? Our faith makes us a target. So be bold even when tested. The bolder you are, the more of a target you'll be from the enemy. Jealous people will work hard to take you down, just like Daniel had jealous people working hard to take him down. Listen, they don't know you, but they want you down. They want to take you down because you're making them look bad. And it's not that it's you. It's just that the hand of God is on your life and there's things that are happening in your life and you're advancing and God is breathing on things and doors are opening and, and Daniel didn't deserve any of those doors to open, but God just continued to open them and open them and open them. And people got jealous and they wanted to take him down. The higher you go, the greater the attacks. 
The more visibility means the more vulnerability. And here's what I see all the time is the tactics of the enemy, the tactics that I see all the time. There's four things. First, they, 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 uh, they laugh at us. First, they laugh. <laughs> really? You really think there's a God? <laughs> then they try to control you. Yeah, you think there's a, yeah, you just keep your God stuff in your four walls. You don't, don't, just don't put that out in the street. First, they laugh, then they control. And then they want to vilify. Because Christians are evil. They're bad. Look at this. Look at that. You see it, don't you? They laugh at us, try to control, they vilify, and then they try to physically harm. That's the path that you see every time that Christianity is attacked and, and people become martyrs, and you see it in other countries and other dynasties and other empires all throughout history. We're in the middle of that even in our own country. People are laughing at us, trying to control, vilify, and, and maybe even physically harm. There are situations within the last five years where people have gone into churches and shooting people. Why? Not really sure, but you see the pattern. See, 2 Timothy says this, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. We will have people laughing and controlling and vilifying and even physically trying to harm. Number three, donut, donut, (laughs) it's on my mind, do not (laughs) be a secret Christian. (laughs) Damn donuts. Do not be a secret Christian, right? Openly declare your faith. Daniel, in chapter 6, he sees that the rules, the law is written. He knows that if I continue to live the way I'm living, I will be thrown into a den of lions. He knows that he's going to die. But he goes to his house, to the open window. Bro, bro, just, just close the window. Or, or just move three feet to the side where you're not in, in the window. Like, do you have to do it in the window? Like, like what? We call it wisdom. No, don't, don't do it in the window. It's going to... He goes into the window, just like he had done every day before that. He's like, well, I'm not going to change. My faith is open in the public up to this day, and they're not going to silence me. It's going to stay open in the public to this day. So in the window, he kneels down. Everybody can see him. Not hiding anything. No secret faith. Not a secret Christian. If you can't be public with your faith in the low place, you won't be able to go public when you're in a high place. We've got to be people who are willing to um, be active Christians, who are bold in our faith, balanced in grace and truth, and be able to even do it in the place that we're in now. When you think, well, when I get to that next level, then I'll start talking about Jesus. You won't do it. It's the same thing. Well, if I just had a little bit more money, then I would give some away and help others. You won't do it. You know, if you can't do it with what you have today, you won't do it with what you have tomorrow. If you can't do it with what you have, you won't do it. And, and, and the Bible even says, if he's faithful with little, be faithful with much. What are you doing with your time and your talent and your treasure? Are you boldly proclaiming Jesus now or, or your faith now? Because if you're not going to do it now, you're not going to do it later. We always are tempted to think, if I had one more thing, an hour a day, if I had one more of this or that, if I had a little bit of this and a little bit of that, then I would change the way that I'm doing things because then I would feel more comfortable to do it. But then you get that thing and you don't even realize it, but you just fill that time back up without thinking about what you're actually doing. If you're a secret believer, you're going to make no difference in the world. So how do you, how do, you do this? How do you become, well, may, maybe, maybe um, you take your Bible to work and you read it in the break room. I guarantee you if you do that, some conversations are going to start. 
people go, huh, you're reading the Bible? Yeah, I sure am. You're not preaching to them. You're just walking out your faith, doing something that they know that you're a Christian. If, Like I said at the beginning, if it was a crime, would there be enough evidence? Maybe you read your Bible in the break room. Maybe when someone talks bad about God, you stand up for your faith. My, my oldest daughter, I'm bragging on her. She's not here. She'll be in the second service. I don't know if I'll brag on her in the second service. It's awkward. She's a teenager. But um, she, she, she's in middle school, and, and um, we, read, we read her text messages. You should, she knows that. We, we read them so, um, because we're, I think, good parents. So we, we read the text messages, and there was this group text going on, and somebody started you know, saying, like, you know, if there even is a God, you know, how could these bad things happen? You know, how could this virus happen? Like, what's God, God trying to punish us? What's kind of ha- happening? And they're kind of like, this, this one student is saying some negative things about God. And, and so I'm super proud of my daughter. She jumped in and she's like, well, have you ever thought that maybe it's the devil that's doing these bad things? And it's like, I believe that good things come from God and bad things come from the devil. And, um, and so I think God is real. And it's evidenced by the fact that you see the devil working against us, you know. And so, like, she starts, like, stepping up for her faith, even as a seventh grader, in a text message chain with a whole bunch of, of students, right? I think my daughter is more bold in her faith in that moment than maybe I've been in the last week. Can I get an amen? Right? Is, is my seventh grade daughter more bold in her faith than you've been in the last week? Has she stood up for God more than you have? I don't know. You know, but here I am, I'm seeing this happen and I'm like, wow, I got convicted. (laughs) When was the last time I stood up for God that strong? We can't let our, we can't be secret Christians. We can't be secret Christians. Matthew chapter 10 says that everyone who acknowledges me before men and I will acknowledge them before my father. So as we acknowledge Jesus before men, he will acknowledge us before our heavenly father. Number four, we got to build some faith habits. Number four, build some faith habits. Your ability to stand before God comes from your habit of kneeling before God. See, for 60 years, he was 80 years old when this happened. And for 60 years, he had been publicly um, praying every day, morning, noon, and night, every day, for 60 years, give or take. That's 65,700 times he stood in his little window and he prayed before God. And one law gets written into place and he's not going to change that. You know why? Because he had a habit. He had faith habits in his life. When you build faith habits in your life, when the day of conflict arises, you know exactly what to do. You stay right on your faith habits. What are your habits in faith? Develop the habits when life is good so that you can have the strength to make it through when life is hard. His private prayer time gave him the strength to go through the battle. Number five, get caught doing good. He got caught doing some good. In a crisis, what are people going to catch you doing? When the pressure's on, what are they going to catch you doing? Daniel 6, in, in, chapter, in verse 11, it said when the officials, they went together to go catch him in the act. Come on, in your painful situation, what are they going to catch you doing? In the middle of your divorce, what are they going to catch you doing? In the middle of your negative situation or your experiences, what are they going to catch you doing? Because with Daniel, they caught him praying and they caught him fasting and they caught him proclaiming the goodness of God. May we be people who are caught praying, proclaiming, and praising Number six, trust God in the storm. Sometimes God rescues us from the lion's den. Sometimes he sends us through the lion's den. We always want God to rescue us out of the lion's den. I don't want to go through the pain. I don't want to go through the trial. I don't want to go through. But, but God, when he sends you through it, there's a bigger purpose on the other side. 
And you would have never known what could have possibly happened. Daniel could have never known what would have possibly happened. And so number seven is that he trusted God with the results. If the pianist would come, I'm going to wrap up now. Trust God with the results. In Daniel 6, he said the king was anxious for Daniel. Threw Daniel into the lion's den and he, he couldn't sleep, he couldn't eat, he couldn't drink, no entertainment, no nothing. He was anxious. He, he may have had panic attacks. I don't, I don't really know because he liked Daniel and he realized he got put into a trap. Can you do what is right and trust God with the results? Because most of the time, I don't know about you, but I want to control the situation because I think if I can do it A, B, C, then I can get results out of that. If I can formulate it right, if I behave this way and that way, if I say this to this person and say that to that person, then I'm going to get the results that I want. And we start to fall into this trap of almost manipulation, of trying to manipulate and control all the circumstances in our life. It's human nature. We, we all have that tendency. But Daniel modeled this, and I want to challenge everyone here today, whether you're here in person or you're even watching online, I want to tell you, do what is right and trust God with the results. Can you do what God is asking you to do in your marriage and in your finances, at work and at school, with your family, with your relationships, with your in-laws even? Can you do it all? Can you trust him with the results? What's the right thing that God is calling you to do? Maybe it's stop complaining and start praising. Maybe it's to stop worrying and to start praying. Maybe it's to stop hiding and to start proclaiming. Can you just do what he's called you to do and trust God with the results? This wasn't the only time this happened. There was another time, his name was Jesus. People made false accusations against him. They threw him into a hole, put a stone over that one too. Thought for sure they'd killed him. But no, he lived. He rose from the dead. You see, but God, he raised him from the dead and he seated him at the right hand of the Father so that all people would know his name and bow their knee. You might be here this morning and either in person or even online, and maybe you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, today can be a day where you make the decision to make Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life. There's no guarantee that you're gonna avoid hardship in life. The only promise that God gives us is that he won't leave us or forsake us. But in the midst of even the darkest time, you see Daniel in his darkest moment in the den with lions that an angel came and visited him that he had somebody there to shut the mouths of light. God, shut the mouths of the lions. That even in your most crazy time, it's not that, that you won't experience the pain and the anxiety. It's just that he won't leave you. And he'll help you through it. It won't kill you. He'll bring you through the storm every time. So when you submit your life to him and you, you live life and doing the things that he's asked you to do, you see how God gets you through everything in life. Following Jesus is as simple as ABC. A is that you admit that you need a savior. You admit that you need Jesus. B is that you say, I believe that Jesus is the son of God and that he died on the cross for my sins. And C is that I confess him as the Lord and savior of my life. You could just make a simple prayer. It'd be as simple as I, I admit God that I need you. I believe that you came to earth and paid the price for my sins. And I confess that you are the Lord and the savior of my life. God, help me to live for you every day. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, if you made that decision, I want to know about it. Text me, text the office in. Let me know. I want to help you on your journey, give you a couple resources. 
give, give you some, just something on this new path that you're starting on. And for those of us that are here, we just bow your heads and close your eyes. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for all that you've given us. God, even in the midst of the trials of life, God, help us to do the right things and trust you, God, with the results. Help us to be bold. Help us to walk in the balance of truth and of, and of grace, God. Give us the words to say and tell us when to not say something. God, give us your wisdom through this life so that we might live for you and be thermostats who impact our culture and change the atmosphere around us. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen, amen, amen. Church, it has been good. I, this is the end of the service, and, and you know we're trying our best to do the COVID safe practices, and so thank you for wearing your mask. I appreciate it. There's plenty of fresh air outside if you want to hang out and, and, and talk with people. And, and um, uh, until then, until next week, God bless you, and have a wonderful, wonderful week.